0: Church. We are trying to be a church of disciples who do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly, and we are glad that you're here with us this morning. We welcome you. Um, If you're new, if you would take a minute and fill out that connection card in the back of the seat in front of you, or if you're at a table, it's in the back of the seat that you're sitting at, and let us know that you're here. For every new person that comes, every first and second time visitor, we donate a pair of socks to Northwest Children's Outreach. So by filling out that card, you can Help us do a little bit of justice in our community. Those socks go to help some of the kids in our area who need socks. So um, a couple of announcements before we get into anything. VBS is coming up. Registration is open. So you can see out in the foyer there's a little table. You can fill out a registration form would encourage you to do that for your kids who uh, will be coming to VBS, and if uh, you know some some friends or family or some people in your 8 to 15 who have kids that want to come to VBS, you can take a registration form or you can get them to go online and download a registration form, fill it out, bring it into the, to the church office, so we, uh, we, we're getting a good number. We have a goal. We'd love to see 50 kids come to uh, VBS this year, and to do that, we're going to need some help. We're going to need you to uh, get the word out there, so if you can... Help us spread the word. One of the easiest ways you can help us spread the word is to go on to uh, our Facebook page and share the event with the people on your Facebook, uh, in your Facebook feed. Uh, so just go to 6A Church, uh, uh, facebook.com slash Church, and then click on events, and you'll see the event there for VBS, and you can just share that event on your wall, and that helps invite people get the word out there. Um, we also are going to be doing some other things to, to help get the word out, and we'll uh, be letting you know what those are coming up very very soon. There's also a meeting right after uh, every service until VBS, so make sure if you're part of the VBS volunteer team, you're sticking around for that after the services. Um, let's see, what else? There was something else I was supposed to announce. Yes, the kids downstairs graduated, and I missed that because I'm a bad pastor, so um, you can, uh, if, you're, if your kids have not moved up yet, they should move up, so um, next, time you, next time you check your kids in, make sure they move up to the next grade, check them in at the next grade, that way uh, they're going into the right class and uh, getting, getting the best experience for them. But that wasn't it, there was something else. Block parties coming up, make sure uh, you're uh, getting ready for that. First, first Saturday of September, it still wasn't it though. Yeah, the rummage sale is coming up. That's going to be our, uh, this, is, this is a great way to do announcements. We should do this every week. Um, rummage sale is coming up, so uh, that's going to be our missions project for the week of VBS, and so we'll be collecting stuff all during that week of VBS, which is August 11th through the 15th. And uh, we'll be collecting stuff to do a rummage sale on the Saturday after VBS to do a fundraiser for our mom's group, Chasing Supermom, which meets uh, September through May. So if you're interested in that, make sure you uh, talk to my wife. She's sitting right here. She'll be really thrilled that I pointed her out. Um, that still wasn't it, there's still something else. Yeah. Food pantry. Uh, food Pantry happens every week. We're had, taking the week of VBS off. We had a record week this past week. 165 families came through um, in our, on our Wednesday afternoons, so uh, that thing's growing, so think give that. Laundry Love is tomorrow night, is that right? Last Monday night, Laundry Love is coming up. That still wasn't it. If it comes back to me, I'll, I'll just stop in the middle of the sermon and say it, but uh, we are in a, a new series called Training Camp. And I'm a football fan, five Saturdays until college football starts. So I'm excited about that. So we as a church are going through a training camp to get ready for the fall as well. And what is it that you work on in training camp? Anyone know what it is you work on in training camp? Fundamentals, yes. Yeah, so, so we're working on some of the fundamentals of being a disciple. Um, but these are these are maybe some of the ones that that don't stick out so much uh, throughout Scripture. These are some of the ones that that uh, that we may not have covered in depth at, at other times. And as I've said, we're getting ready to kind of go into a big a big long series about what it means to be a disciple, starting in the fall. But um, I wanted to kind of as groundwork for that, prep work for that discuss some of the maybe intangibles of of being a disciple, and, and these are some of the things that, that are going to help us have a take-notice walk. We kind of talked about that. The, there's an episode of Friends where Joey's talking about how he needs a new walk, and um, He needs a take-notice walk so that people notice him when he walks into the room. And So we're looking at some of the things that are going to give us that that take-notice walk. Last week, we talked about purpose and how God made us all on purpose for a purpose. And we have to start with purpose before we go to planning and before we go to setting our goals. If we don't start with purpose, then all of our planning could be uh, completely lost because we weren't going in the right direction. So we have to start with purpose before we start with anything. And that was the that was the the soft, happy, friendly message. This week is going to be maybe a little more in your face, and so um, uh, I apologize uh, if you feel that way. I don't apologize for speaking it though. So um, that was a joke. You can. We need those signs like they have at TV shows that just say "laugh." And I just have a, a button that I, that I can push every time I tell a joke, and maybe. Maybe eventually I'll be funny, or at least we'll just train you all to think I'm funny. But um, this week we're talking about attitude. We're going to talk about attitude. And um, I'm, in, I'm in Romans 12, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to approach this just a little bit differently, um, this series. We're going we're to pull from some other passages as we kind of go through it. Romans 12 will be kind of our key, key chapter, but I want to go through it and and uh, just kind of refresh it every week and go through the whole chapter and just let it really sink in to our hearts and to our minds as we're going through this series. I'm sorry, my uh, allergies have been getting the best of me, so I'm going to sound a little more um, nasally and sniffly, so I apologize that you have to listen to that. Let's go through Romans chapter 12 as we get started this morning. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... We kind of use that verse to talk about how the pattern of the world is to go after the stuff first and then try to build your life around the stuff. And God doesn't want you to build your life around the stuff. He wants you to build your life around him and the purpose he made you for, and then to let your life flow out of that. So if we're constantly chasing the stuff and and the ways and the things of this world, we're always going to be disappointed. We're always going to be discouraged. We're always going to go home at the end of the day feeling like we never did enough to get where we wanted to go. But if we start with purpose, if we start with the purpose God created us and and designed us with, then we have a chance at succeeding and feeling like we're making a difference in this world. Verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful for what is right uh, in the the eyes of people. If, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's so much in here, we're not going to be able to unpack it, even throughout the course of this series. But I want to start kind of kind of at the beginning, and uh, I want to tie in a little bit from the last series we just went through as we, as we get started this morning. I'm going to be in uh, verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you are, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And I want to go back and just read uh, just a little bit from Philippians to kind of set the stage here. from chapter 2, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That should sound familiar. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then finally, finally, from chapter four, a lot of scripture, but uh, we'll bring it all together here. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. William James said, the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter the, their lives by altering their attitudes of mind. Later in uh, Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. Abraham Lincoln said, most people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. Most people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. And I want to talk about the one greatest hindrance to having a good attitude and three three things that will help facilitate a good attitude. So the one thing that kind of sets us up for the bad attitude, and then the three things that will set us up for the good attitude. The thing that I think that sets us up for the bad attitude is um, something that is coming into light more and more as we go through through our lives is, is this. And um, this is the hard part. So, it's a sense of entitlement. And I think the sense of entitlement is the, is the thing that really sets us up to have the worst possible attitude. By entitlement, I mean that, that we think we deserve stuff. We, we think we deserve this or we think we deserve that. Now, um, I need to confess to you because um, I am somebody who is a recovering cynic. I'm a recovering negative person. I have spent a lot of my life for the last 10 years being a very negative and critical person, especially of the church. And you'll hear that creep in to sermons from time to time that uh, I, I tend to still be cynical and critical and negative about the church. Um, but that comes from, I think, a good heart because I think there's so much potential in the church that we could really see the world change if we, if we got focused on what God wants us to be. But... Um, the, the thing about, about cynicism and negativity is that it's really easy to kind of wander into this, this cynical mindset. It's really easy to, to kind of wander in and, and think that you're sounding smart when you're being cynical. Um, there are a lot of people that I, that I have rubbed shoulders with over the years that, that have a real knack for just picking something apart. They can, they can go to anything that you say, and you may be super excited about it. You may think it's a great thing, and they're able to find something to pick out of it that's negative. They're able to find just that one thing that is negative. I've experienced this a lot in the church world, and uh, you'd be amazed at how much cynicism, maybe you wouldn't, you'd be amazed at how much cynicism and negativity is in the church world. There's just a lot, of, a lot of people who have this really negative, bitter attitude. And the whole thing that I think all of that stems from, where all of that comes from, is a sense of entitlement this is this may be this may be a, a reduction to absurd links you know that's a, a logical argument but but i think all of this kind of comes down to the fact that we think we're entitled to this stuff in the church, um, the churches that I've worked at, a lot of people think they're entitled to certain traditions and and certain styles and certain decibel levels and and uh, and certain instruments and and things like that. And so, when you're not getting that thing that you think that you're entitled to, then all of a sudden we become angry. It's, I deserve this. I have I have paid a lot of money and ties to this church, and you better turn that organ up right or i have paid a lot of money and tied to this church and you better put more guitars on the stage you know there's it goes across the board every spectrum every way you could possibly go there's a sense of entitlement i deserve this and i'm not going to be happy until i get it this is true across culture as well. We have a huge sense of entitlement in our country. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing America because I love America. I, we are so blessed to live here. But, but I think one of the things where we've really gotten off track is we, we have this sense of entitlement that, that we deserve great, great stuff. Now, I, wanna, I want to to show you a video that's going to kind of set the course for the rest of the talk this morning. It's from CBS. It's from my wife's favorite newscaster, Scott Pelley. Um, (laughs) She gets mad at me every night when I watch CBS News with Scott Pelley. Let's watch this video, and uh, we'll talk about it. I think there's audio. Maybe. Maybe. Is it plugged in? Yeah. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's where it should be. Should be done Really? Okay. Oh, that's really odd. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, my mic's on. I don't have any? So what are, uh, what are some of your thoughts when you watch that video? What are some of the things you see? 50 million in poverty. You've been there. Athens, Athens County is literally 40 minutes away from where I grew up um, in Ohio, Southern Ohio, and so those a lot of those images um, I've seen a lot of that stuff. Grew up, grew up driving by, by that stuff on the way to church almost every Sunday, and uh, you just you get used to it. Um, a lot of people, are, we lived in a, a much a much uh, better situation than the stuff that you you saw on on that clip, but. Um, there's just uh, In our country, there's, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people who, uh, who we would say are living in poverty, living below the poverty line. And, but one of the things that, that stuck out to me, and if we hadn't just done this talk a few, few weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have even noticed it. But they said in there that um, they receive $450 a month from welfare and $500 a month in food stamps. Now, let me read this statistic that I read for you. A couple weeks ago. If you made $1,500 last year, you're in the top 20% of the world's income earners. Do you remember that? $1,500 a year puts you in the top 20% of the world's income earners. What's $950 a month times 12? It's about $11,000 a year. Um, so even, even, with what we see in the video, even with the, with what we would what we would call poverty, even many of the people who live in poverty in our country are still wealthy by the world standards. If you make more than three dollars a day, you're you're really in the you're in the top, uh, eight, uh, top twenty percent of the world's wealthy. Now, I don't want to downplay. Um, what we would call poverty, and I don't want you to think that it's not uh, something that's near and dear to my heart, because it is. Um, it's something, you know, we, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. I grew Like I told you, I grew up with a lot of friends who were living in those situations. That's, that's something that I know quite well. Um, but something else that I know quite well is it's very easy to go from being in poverty and needing assistance to being in poverty and thinking you deserve the assistance, And the reason this is so important uh, for us to grasp is because this is fundamental to our faith. Because where I see it going, um, especially in in our culture today, where I see this going is we're starting to feel an entitlement to grace. I think think we're starting to feel like we deserve what God offers us. We deserve God's grace. I think we're really starting to get this idea that, that we really have done something that is deserving of God's merit. And that's such a very, very dangerous place to be. See, if we could do something to earn it, God would not have needed to send his son to die on the cross for us. If we could do something to earn our place in God's kingdom, there would be no reason for God to sacrifice his only son. But yet we hear things all the time about how a loving God wouldn't do that, or loving God doesn't act this way, or loving God wouldn't make me do this, or if God really existed, if God really loved me, if God really cared for me, then then He would bring me this and He would do that. If if God really loved me, why don't I get more than nine hundred and fifty dollars a month assistance from from the government? If I if God really loves me, why am I not getting what I deserve? And I think we're really getting close to this 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 danger zone of entitlement we're really getting close to this feeling that, that we deserve all of this stuff we deserve all of this this uh, this freedom we deserve to be able to be in charge of the freedom. We deserve to be able to be in charge of the people who make the decisions about the freedom and who give us the money, and we have the right to complain about what they give us and that they don't give us enough, and we have all of this stuff that we feel we're entitled to, and I think it's a very, very dangerous place to be. And I think the sense of entitlement is the number one thing that's going to set us in the wrong direction and making a difference for Christ. I think when we feel like we're entitled to grace, we feel like we're entitled to all of the, the common grace things that God gives us in this life, from, from food to all the entertainment that we can have on a daily basis, the, the, the ease with which we can drive to work. I live out in Washugal and I can still get here in a half an hour. My car is a 2001 Nissan Sentra, and it still drives really well, and a lot of people in our country would probably look down on that car, but people around the world would look up to that car. It'd be real easy for me to think, man, I deserve a nicer car. I spend a lot of time in my car every day. I deserve a nicer car to ride in. But we live in this, this world where we have so much stuff at our fingertips, and really, how grateful are we for it all? How grateful are we for for the air conditioning that's coming through the vents right now to keep this building at 74 degrees? How grateful are we for whatever we ate this morning? How grateful are we for for the stuff that we we, uh, get to choose from in our closet? How grateful are we for all the blessings that God has poured down on us that we, we just take for granted every single day and yet we feel like we aren't getting enough of what we deserve I think when we're entitled, when we feel like we deserve stuff, the grass is always going to be greener on the other side. Voltaire once said, paradise is wherever I am. How many of us is paradise over there somewhere? Grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where you water it. A good attitude can overcome a lot of limitations. But all of the stuff, all of the talent, all of the, all of the things we can get our hands on, every, every possible tangible thing we could see won't make a difference if we have the wrong attitude. We'll always want more, we'll always need something just a little bit more than what we had. And the reason this is so important for us to understand when we're going out and thinking about the difference that we're going to make into the world is because we have to show people, we have to live by example our lives in such a way that people see we are grateful, that we are, we are thankful for all that God has blessed us with, that, that we don't feel entitled, we feel blessed to be able to experience not just the common grace and the things that we experience and that everyone experiences, but, but this eternal saving grace that God sent his son to die for. And if we walk around with our chest puffed up feeling like we have deserved that grace, we will not entice a single person on the outside of of our body into the community of Jesus Christ. Because then it becomes about rules and religion. It becomes about all of these things that, that we are able to control and we are able to do. It's not about this almighty, infinite, majestic God that we cannot explain with human words. It becomes about us. It becomes about me and what I'm getting. It becomes about all of the stuff that I can get my hands on. It's not about worshiping our Savior. So, a word of caution, a word of warning. Be aware of a sense of entitlement. Be aware of the places in our lives where we're starting to feel like we are entitled to something. It's a great foothold for the enemy to grab and just kind of take our whole life off course. So that's the one thing that I think keeps us from, from having a good attitude. Here are three things I'd like to talk about that are, that are parts, they are, they are facets of a good attitude. Now these are the fundamentals. Remember, we're talking the fundamentals. This is this is the basic training kind of stuff. This is, this is the stuff that we have to practice on. This is the stuff we have to work on because it doesn't necessarily come natural to us. So, so we're going through training camp right now as a church, so we need to practice these kinds of things. Now, there, there are two things I'd like you to do, and you might want to write this down. Um, one of them comes from my wife and the idea that she shared with her mom's groups. They have... Uh, a blessings jar where they have a, a mason jar they put out and they just kind of write down the blessings, the things that they are thankful for and put it in the jar. And as the jar fills up, you just see how blessed you are. Maybe, maybe you don't have a jar, you just have a glass. Just uh, get a glass, set it out on your counter and start writing down what you're thankful for. Anything that you're thankful for, put it on a slip of paper and drop it in the jar and just keep track of all of the blessings that you have. At least write something down this morning before you leave. Write something down before you walk out of here that you're grateful for, something that is a blessing. The other thing I'd like you to consider doing, this one might be a stretch for some of you, but consider writing a letter, a good old-fashioned letter, not an email. A letter, something you have to write an address on and put a stamp on. If you don't know what they look like, they're usually about that big. They have white envelopes for the most part. You put the address it's going to right in the middle, you put your address up in the top left-hand corner, and the stamp goes in the top right, okay, so if you don't know what that is, that's, that's what a letter looks like. Um, but write a, write a letter to someone about what you're thankful for in them. What, what it, just, it doesn't have to be a big, long, 14-page, you know, Dear John letter, I guess that's what you send to somebody. If you want to break up with somebody, you can send a letter too, that might be um, fun, but... Um, Just write out a letter, I I just wanted you to know that I'm thankful for this in you. I've seen this in you. I've, I've gotten this from you. I've experienced this from you. I am thankful that you are this kind of person and that I get to know you. I get to be in relationship with you. And I just, I wanted you to know that I'm thankful. Start to express your gratitude. And gratitude is the first thing, the first key and having a good attitude. Have an attitude of gratitude. Somebody knew I, was, knew I had to say it. Um, but when was the last time, aside from Thanksgiving, that you were really thankful for all that you have been blessed with? Maybe for some of you, you're better than I, and, and you spend uh, a great deal of time being thankful. Maybe you're thankful uh, for your house for your apartment, for your car, for your job, for whatever income you have, you're, you're thankful for that. Maybe you're thankful for your health, for, for your youth, for all the memories you have. Uh, if you're not so young anymore, um, you've experienced a lot, and so you have a lot of those things to be thankful that God has done to you. We have so much to be thankful. See, I think life is a lot more fun if we take stock of our blessings and live in light of them. Life's a lot more fun if instead of being cynical and negative and, and feeling like you deserve this and you're entitled to this, if instead you, you walk through life thinking, I am so th- God, I am so thankful that you blessed me with that. God, I cannot believe you put that in front of me. I cannot believe that you chose that I would be born in this country and I would have all of the blessings, that, that I would have access to things that I would never have access to in a different country. God, you have blessed us so greatly, and we thank you. Start writing them down. Start practicing your gratitude. Practice what you're thankful for. Practice the, the, the fact that, that you uh, were able to sleep probably on a fairly comfortable bed last night. You weren't sleeping on the ground. You had a pillow under your head. Maybe a fan to make some noise so you can drown out the kid, uh, the sound of the kids crying. That's my, my, my gratitude. Thankful that God made fans. No race can prosper until it learns that there is as much dignity in tilling a field as in writing a poem. That's Booker T. Washington. To understand that there's dignity in the work that we do and we have been blessed to be able to do it, we will be stuck. We will be trapped under the weight of entitlement. The gravest sin a person could commit is the sin of ingratitude. That's Norman Vincent Peale. It's one thing to say, yeah, thanks. We probably do that pretty regularly, but it's something entirely different to live a grateful life, to really be grateful for what we've been blessed with. This is why I, 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 I just kind of hammered on that idea of entitlement for a while, is because it's got to be a wake-up call for us, church. We, we've got to see that where we have become entitled, we are starting to think, uh, take for granted the things that God has blessed us with. It's got to be a wake-up call. We've got to snap out of it. We've got to snap out of this feeling, this mindset that we, we deserve all of this and more. And, and God, why aren't you giving us all of this stuff that we think we deserve? Instead, be grateful for all that he's blessed us with. So write down what you're thankful for. Write down the things that you have been so uh, blessed to receive. We have a choice to approach life as a creator or a critic, a lover or a hater, a giver or a taker. God is at home. It's we who have gone for a walk. God is the same God he has always been. He's in the same place he's always been. He's, he's operating within the same character he has had for all of eternity. God is not farther from us. It's just we have walked farther away from God and more down the path of getting things that have nothing to do with him. I found this. I want to share with you. This is something uh, uh, that uh, is used with some athletes and I would like you to, to hear it, so when you hear the word "athletes," just put your name in there the six- eight uh, church, the follower of Christ, wherever you want to put in. Number one, more athletes fail through faulty mental attitudes than in any other way. More athletes fail through faulty mental attitudes than in any other way. Number two, attitudes are habits. Of thinking, You have it within your power to develop the habit of thinking thoughts that will result in a winning attitude. You have it within your power to change the way you think, to change your attitude. It's not something that's forced on you from the outside. We can change it. The foundation for the proper attitude consists of developing the habit of positive, thinking positive thoughts. Don't worry, I'm not going to become one of those positive thinking gurus. That's not the direction we're going as a church. Tell yourself constantly that you can do something, and you will. If you tell yourself you can't, your subconscious will find a way for you to not do it. A desire to win and a desire to prepare to win are important ingredients of a winning attitude. Before you can scale the heights of athletic greatness, you must first learn to control yourself from within. Be your own master. Control your emotions. An athlete will have a good attitude and is coachable. He welcomes criticism, constantly seeks to learn, and avoids uh, criticizing his coach or his teammates. That one's worth repeating. (laughs) An athlete with a good attitude is coachable. He welcomes criticism, constantly seeks to learn, and avoids criticizing his coach or teammates. True success depends on teamwork, and the winning attitude puts the good of the team ahead of anything else. Whether or not you create a winning attitude is up to you, but nothing is more important to you on your road to the winner's circle. Why all this talk about having a good attitude? Remember what we just read from Philippians chapter 2? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. If you don't remember the rest of that passage, goes on to talk about how he who, who came as one of the members of the Trinity, he was God. He had this power that he could have used to his own advantage. He didn't do that. Instead, he walked humbly in such a humble way that he was obedient to death, an embarrassing death on a cross. That's how our attitude should be. That we're willing to walk humbly in all circumstances. We're willing to lay ourselves down. And here's the thing that, that I really hope, well, one of the things I really hope we walk away from this morning that we, that we pick up on, that we, that we grasp. Because I can stand up here and yell about having an attitude of gratitude all day long and it won't make a single bit of difference. You Just sit here and listen to my, my uh, nasally voice for, for 45 minutes. But if you start... Talking amongst each other about the things that you're grateful for, it could literally change the atmosphere of not just our church but this community. See, uh, there's a thing that happens in football teams, and if you've ever played a sport, you know this. Um, if you if you haven't, then let me let me kind of explain it for you. But when you're playing a sport, you can, you usually come in as a freshman. At least this is the way it works through high school. And, and college. You come in as a freshman, you come in as an underclassman, and there are people who have been there for several years before you, and they've already earned their spot on the team. They already have their position, they already have their spot, they usually already have their starting spot if they've already fought for that for a couple of years, and so you have to work really hard if you want to to get them out of that. But, but when, you, when you are in this high kind of hierarchy of freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, um, a coach can come in, and he can yell, and if you, if you want a good example of this, remember the Titans, the movie, is a great, a great example. Um, a coach can come in, and he can yell, and he can try and get everybody worked up, he can try and get excited. I remember my ninth grade football coach, he was all mad at us because some of the guys, not me, I don't listen to, um, uh, uh, what's the name of the band? Who did the Iron Man song? Black Sabbath? Da, 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 da. Yeah, that. So, so um, we were the we were the Jackson Ironmen, and so they would listen to that song, kind of crank it up before every football game. And our coach came in. And said, I don't know why you got to listen to this music, you get yourself bumped up. We when we were playing football back in the day, we would just sit and we we think about the game plan. We'd, and then he walked over and just whacked the the uh, the, um, the locker, and then he didn't realize that he kicked it too hard. <laughs> just kept yelling, even though he's broken his toe. Um, and all that really happened is we made fun of the coach after he walked out of the room for kicking the, for kicking the locker and hurting his foot. But, but when some of the upperclassmen get up in front of you and say, all right, guys, it's time to, it's time to get together. Some of the upperclassmen, some of the juniors and seniors, when it's, when it's go time, when it's time to, to go, you know, this is the game that's going to make the difference, whether or not you get to the state playoffs, this is the game that's going to make the difference, whether you get further down the road that you're trying to go, maybe this is a game against a big rival, it's the, it's the upperclassmen who stand up in front of the, of the, of the freshmen and the sophomores and they, they make the difference by saying, okay, it's time to get it together, we need to fight for this victory. They're able to put together this, this talk that has very uh, little coherent uh, thought, and, but still they're able to inspire their teammates to a victory. I can stand up here all day and yell at you about gratitude, but if, if some of you, especially some of you who have been in the faith for a long time, would start to practice your gratitude in front of the rest of us and, and start to live out this life of gratitude in front of us on a regular basis, it will change the atmosphere and attitude of our church. Be revolutionary. Practice your gratitude. The next thing I'm not going to spend a ton of time on because we've talked about it at length because that's who we are as a church, is humility. Proverbs 18.12 says, Humility precedes honor. Mother Teresa said, If we were humble, nothing would change us, neither praise nor discouragement. If we were humble, nothing would change us, neither praise nor discouragement. Former French president Charles de Gaulle once remarked, graveyards are full of irreplaceable men. Ever feel like you're irreplaceable? Like, what would they do without me? If I, if I died today, what would they do without me? There's somebody buried who was there before you, and you'll be buried next to them Maybe not right next to them, but yeah. you'll be buried someday and somebody else will take your place. Proverbs eleven two: with humility comes wisdom. With humility comes wisdom. There are two things that, that give us a chance to have a positive impact on those who agree with us and those who don't. The first one is happiness or joy. Second, we can earn a hearing from other people by respecting where they're coming from and listening to their perspectives on lice. On life, not lice. We don't need to talk about lice. Um, I get nervous when Christians who are strident with their message and drive a wedge between people. When that happens, it's hard to get those on the outside to even listen to what we're saying. It's really easy when, when you know the truth and we would put ourselves in that category as, as those who know the truth, those who have accepted Christ and received his gift of grace, and we are doing our best to walk humbly with him in this life. That's what we call the truth. And not to be blunt, but just because just to, if, you, if you disagree with that, does not make you right and us wrong. But it's really easy when you feel like you know the truth, when you know the answers, to look down on the world around who does not yet agree with you. And we will not win the world around us by being condescending and speaking down to them. We will drive a wedge between us and them, and they won't hear what we have to say. With humility comes wisdom. If we are going to have the right words to say, if we are going to have the wisdom to speak what needs to be said in the right situation, we have to be humble. Gratitude and humility, those are two of the things that lead us to a good attitude. Here's the third one, and I'll just uh, tell you right off the bat, this is one that I struggle with. This is not uh, normal for me. Enthusiasm. Now I know because you're used to hearing me talk that you might have this picture of me being this really uh, really enthusiastic, bubbly guy who gets up every morning and just, you know, just kind of just looks in the mirror and just says, thank you, God, for all that you've done, and I just can't help but walk through all of my interactions with people and just be bubbly about stuff. You know, I, I'm, I'm guessing you probably have that image of me uh, because of the way that I talk during messages, but that's not really uh, natural for me. In fact, I'm quite an introvert. I am uh, I am, I'm a lot more likely to find myself walking away from the crowd of people than walking into the crowd of people. I'm, I'm not the kind of person that, that is, is usually the most enthusiastic um, woo like Kenan in, in the bunch. It, you know, I, I have to work myself up to that. And then usually as I've worked myself up to that, I need a significant amount of time to recover. Afterwards, enthusiasm is not a natural thing. For me. But here, listen to this. The word enthusiasm is a derivative of the Greek word entheos, which basically means full of spirit, full of God. Full of spirit, full of God. Consider this providing enthusiasm might just be your role on any given day. That might be the part that God has chosen for you to play. If, you're, if your role is encourager, then it's just as important as being a starter on any given day of the season. Enthusiasm is, is one of those things that can really change the way people perceive you. If I, if I came up here, I, I, just to be honest, if I came up here with my, my normal attitude and just kind of talked, I would, you'd probably get um, a lot of this and... This would be about kind of the conversation that we would have for, for a while. And uh, most of you would not still be sitting here today. But I understand, I, I also, let me clarify, I am very passionate about what God has given me to do here at 6 Eight Church. And that fuels a lot of what I say. But at the same time, I know that it's important for our church that I'm enthusiastic. And so even when I've only gotten a couple hours of sleep maybe the night before and maybe even less the night before that, I know that this this time that we have uh, together on Sunday morning, it's important for me to come and just show you how enthusiastic I am about God and what he's doing in our community because I am amazed at the work God is doing. I'm amazed at the way God is changing lives. I'm, a, I'm amazed at the direction he's leading us as a church. I'm, a, I'm amazed at the way he's provided for us financially. When we thought for sure there was no way we were going to have enough money, God always provided the dollars that we needed to keep the doors open over the last 18 months. God has done amazing things at this church. And I am enthusiastic, I'm excited, I'm passionate to see what's going to come and what's going to come down the road. But that instant we go from being enthusiastic about what God is doing and what God has done to thinking we're entitled to be where we are. We're entitled to have what we have. We have arrived at a certain place. We have accomplished a lot. And here we are. We we can sit and enjoy the, the, the vast amount of our greatness as a church will be the instant we have lost our effect, not just on this community, but on even the bodies and the lives of this church. When it's the dog days of August and you've been in training camp for what seems like years, especially in Ohio, having 2 days 90% humidity, there's no reason to be excited. It's a grind. Remember one, uh, one, one year for practice, it had been in the 90s for the whole whole week of 2 days It was the end of the week, and uh, they got businesses from the community to provide food for us. I'm sorry if this is going to gross you out. You can just plug your ears. But uh, one, of the, one of the places that got food for us was one of the pizza places in town. So they brought in all these pizzas for all of us guys to eat. And then uh, we slept for about a half an hour and went out and had another two-hour-long practice in the 95-degree weather with 90% humidity. Um, if you don't know where this is going, <laughs> the pizza did not stay down. For very long in most of the guys. I was able to hold mine down, but um, the because I was not a starter and I was spending most of my time standing on the sidelines. And um, the coach got so mad. <laughs> Everybody quit all this puking. When it's the dog days of August and you've been in training camp for what seems like years and your stupid coaches and the, and the football support team decided to give you pizza for lunch, it's a grind. You're tired. You're sore. You're trying to concentrate, but all you can think about is how hot it is. When it's like that, what we need more than ever is people who can stand up and rise above their physical surroundings, their physical limitations, the things that are that are pressing down on them from this world and be able to stand up in an enthusiastic way and say, let's charge ahead. Let's keep moving. Let's keep pounding the ground. Let's keep going forward and see what God does because these are the times that test us. It's not when things are growing and, and blowing and we've got all kinds of people coming through the door we don't have enough seats and things are, are hard It's when, when we are tired and we've been working for a long time. But when it's the dog days of August and you've been in training camp for what seems like years, it's time to stand up. It's time to fight. It's time to push ahead. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. What does it sound like when he's saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought? To me, it sounds like entitlement. To me, it sounds like, I have arrived, I deserve. Don't think of yourself that way. But Paul says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you are, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Whatever our gift is, let us do it cheerfully. Whatever our gift is, let us do it with enthusiasm. Whatever our gift is, let us do it humbly. Whatever our gift is, let us do it with gratitude. We should never arrive at a place where we feel like we have a lot to offer, but we should always walk humbly, understanding that if it were not for the grace of God, none of us would be here. And it's only by finding ourselves in the place that God designed us to be and created us for that we'll be able to function. And it's only by putting down our sense of entitlement and our sense of arrogance and our sense of pride and laying that down and sacrificing it at the feet of Jesus and, and refusing to ever pick it up that we'll ever be able to stand up and function and form the body that Christ has put together here because we all have different gifts and we have to use the gifts according to the measure of faith that God has given to us. We have to use those gifts for his kingdom, for his glory, for his his purposes, if we're all trying to use them so that we can get ourselves a pat on the back, we're never going to get very far down the road. If we can come together with humility, if we can come together with gratitude, if we can come together with enthusiasm about the work that God is doing here, and we can stand up in the middle of the dog days of summer and say, I'm here, I'm on board, I'm going to go forward with whatever God has for me in this church, and I am going to pursue it until the day I die, until God calls me elsewhere. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So this morning, I'm hoping that as we kind of wrap things up, we can spend some time maybe in that surrender. We can spend, spend some time just laying that down, asking for forgiveness for our sense of entitlement. Lay it down and just, just refuse to ever pick it back up. Lay it down and leave it there, and let's walk out of here with a sense of gratitude. Let's walk out of here enthusiastic about what God is doing in our lives and the life of this church. Let's walk humbly because that's who he's called us to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for all of the blessings I could not begin to count. All of the things you have given that, that I've just ignored all of the things that I've looked past that you've put in front of my path to bless us with, to bless me with, I thank you for those things. And I ask your forgiveness for not seeing them. Father, may, may my life begin to more reflect your grace. May my life begin to more reflect your character, who you want me to be and to be built on the faith of the God who was and is and is to come. To so not be tossed back and forth by the winds of this time that we live, to not be tossed back and forth by the winds of a culture who seeks the goals first, not purpose. God, let me be grounded in that purpose. Let me be driven by it. And let my life be the proof of your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.